night. Um, Genesis. We're still in chapter one, but we're finishing chapter one. And then we'll... Um, quickly do this okay so um we'll be sharing or we'll be reading from genesis chapter one up to chapter two verse three oh, praise the lord everybody's back okay okay we have to we have to start i think adrian just cannot wait now he want to start flow now <laughs> okay, um, so let me just, okay, so, um, wow, we're coming to the, to the climax now, brothers and sisters, this is the, this is the most wonderful part, so, um, let me read, um, yeah, let's let's in, in the recovery version, you'll see the heading is is man. Okay, this is the 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 climax of God's um, restoration and recreation. And um, so underneath that point A, the, the little A says the conference of the Godhead. So verse 26 begins by saying, and God said, let us make man. So when it came to God creating the light, the earth coming forth, separating light from darkness, the waters above from the waters below, God simply spoke these things into being. But when it came to man, we see that there was something different here. God said, let us. So we see that this us is referring or showing us a little window, right? We said in the beginning that Genesis is a book of seeds. And these seeds are sown in this first book of the Bible. And then it's developed throughout the Bible. So if you just have this verse, you'll think, well, there's some plurality here. But what does this mean? But when we come to the New Testament and throughout the whole Bible, we see it fully revealed that God is triune. And so among the triune God, there was a council held when it came to, you can say, the creation of the maturity of life. So we've seen that the whole Bible is a book of life and everything that God has done from verse 2 the second part of verse 2, up to verse 25, verse 26, is related to life. Everything God did was for the bringing forth of life. So now, God, it's almost like God is considering, what will we make that will show us the maturity of life? So, I appreciate how God put in sequence all these matters of creation, how he prepared everything. He prepared everything so that he can have man. We see in Zechariah that the heavens are for the earth. This is Zechariah 12.1. 
The earth is for man and man has a spirit. So we see that the whole creation of the heavens is so that there can be an earth. If there were no earth, there would be no life, right? But how everything is placed into position, the creation of light on the first day, the fourth day lights, the more definite lights, the sun, the light bearer in the day, the moon, the light bearer at night and the stars. These are for uh, life to not only be, be brought forth, but to grow. So all these things are so that they can be life on the earth. And so God has prepared everything. He made, he made the light. He made the water separate. He brought the land forth on the third day. Then he created the grass. He created the higher life, the herbs. He created the higher life, the trees. We saw even with the plant life, there was some development, but still no consciousness, right? You walk on the grass, there's no response, okay? Trees don't think. There's no, there's no expression. They can't express themselves, right? But then God started to create animals. So he first created the fish, then the birds. And we saw the significance of that. The, then he created the, um, the cattle, the animals, the, the creeping things. And now he comes to this climax, the maturity of life. So everything that God has done up, up until now is to bring forth life. But when he brings forth this life, he considers, let us. So there's a counsel. Let us make man. God simply, God didn't just simply speak man into being like he did all the other things that he created. But among the Godhead, the triune God, there was some consideration. How would we make this life with the highest consciousness? Sometimes we are. Uh, we might not have so much feeling about, about ourselves. We might think, well, I'm this or that kind of person, or, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm so full of failure and I'm not a very, I'm not like, you know, like these people who change the world or something. Don't think too lowly of yourself. You know what? Since 2000 years ago, when man was created, there hasn't been a higher life. There's no life with a higher consciousness on this earth today. We've not seen something like that. And this life, God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. See, every other creature were created according to their kind. There was a particular way that a life would live, would function, would be expressed. The fish, according to its kind, it would express the fish life. It could live in the salty waters and not be affected by it. The bird life, the bird life can fly. Even, even birds just does it, right? They just know how to fly. Every life has a particular kind of life. And it's according to that kind that God created every life. But when it came to man, God said, 
Let us make man in our image. Let's make man according to our likeness. So God didn't just make man according to mankind, according to his own kind, according to his own uh, likeness. Let's begin with this matter of image. Image is referring to the inner being of man, man's virtues. It's referring to our mind, our emotion, our will, what we think about, what we what we love, what we hate, our will, what we choose. And, and these kind of virtues, you can say, are for expression, right? So when God created man, his desire with this creature, with this climax with this maturity of life with this life that has the highest consciousness is that this life would express god so he creates man according to his image what we know from uh books like i think it's first corinthians chapter four and colossians chapter one that christ is the image of the invisible God. So this image, who is this image? Well, it's Christ, right? God created man's inner being, man's image, according to Christ. So when, before Christ was incarnated, before Christ came to the earth, man knew that there was God, right? God was involved with so many aspects. He created he, he eventually, we'll see this later on in the book of Genesis, man keeps falling, God calls Abraham, he calls, he calls Abraham, he has the nation of Israel, the called out race, then Israel goes through so many different things, but even though there is this, there is this relationship between God and man, no one has ever seen God, so when Christ came, he was the very embodiment of this God. He was the very expression of God. Wow, brothers and sisters, God's creation reaches this point that he gains an image that can express him. And so this image is firstly Christ. So now this man is created in God's image, which we see as Christ. But you know what? Man, even though man has these human virtues like love, wisdom, kindness, man lacks what we call the reality. Man has this expression, but man's expression is extremely limited. I don't know your, about your experience, but I can tell you my experience is very much very limited. Yes, I do love my wife. I love my children. I have some amount of patience. But I am not unlimited. In fact, my limit is very short. Sometimes shorter if I sleep a lot less. But anyway, the point is, I'm limited in what I can express. I have God's image. But 
my human virtues are very limited. When Christ came, oh, saints, I really treasure this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this chapter that so many people, they, they, they really like this chapter about love, right? The love is kind. Love is forbearing. Love never keeps record of any evil. Love treasures what is good. And sometimes we read that chapter and we just feel, oh, this is so wonderful. Love is so wonderful. But do we ever consider those virtues, that expression, as a reality to us? Well, some of it is there, right? But like I said, so limited. But you put Christ in there. Christ is kind. Christ doesn't keep, keep record of, of evil. I believe that. I can believe that so easily. So you see, brothers and sisters, this image in which God created man has a reality. That reality is Christ, who is the embodiment of God, who is life. So now, what God's desire is in this creation, and this is, this is what, what really has to impress us. When we started this, we realized, we saw that God has a purpose and an intention. God has a purpose and an intention. His purpose and intention is to have an expression. So he creates man with these virtues, but man doesn't have the reality. So what is his purpose? His purpose is to fill us, brothers and sisters. We need to forget about who we are, who we are not. What virtues we have that are good, what virtues we have that are bad. What virtues we have that are maybe a bit stronger and what virtues we lack. The Bible tells us, don't look at yourself, but look away unto Jesus. He is the reality. So when Christ, who is the reality of this verse, then he wants to, he wants to fill us with his life. In John 3.16, it says that he has come to lay down his life. Why? That we may have life. That we may have that life. So the whole purpose of God's creation is not just so that man would be on the earth and do a few things and then man would one day, I don't know, procreate and then die. Or No, his purpose is so high that he creates man with his own image. You can say like a glove in the image of a hand. So close. It has the same shape. It has the five fingers. It has the thumb. Everything is in place. But the love just needs to be filled. Without the love being filled, no reality, right? Okay, I need to go on. Um, so God creates man in this image. This image we see is Christ. This image that man has wants to be filled with the reality, which is Christ Jesus. Then God also creates man according to his likeness. Now, this is very mysterious, brothers and sisters. The image is kind of inward. The likeness is our outward form. Okay. Does God look like man? Well, in Philippians 2, it says that Christ came in the likeness of man. Philippians 2, I think it's verse 8, 7, 8. Christ came in the likeness of man. So is man created in the likeness of Christ or Christ in the likeness of man? Well, Yes, it is mysterious. God and man 
are so closely related. So even before Christ's incarnation, we see two men, two angels and a man coming to Abraham. They come, they sit. What is God? He has, he has lunch with Abraham. He eats with him. They have fellowship. Then they go for a walk. God opens up to Abraham what is in his heart. Well, if God dwells in an unapproachable light, how is God having something to eat with Abraham? Like a friend, right? So we see that this image and likeness has, it's so mysterious. It's always been in God, but yet in time, God came to be incarnated to accomplish redemption for us. So God creates man in this wonderful way. And this image and likeness is so that man can express God. Okay, maybe I'll just uh, stop there for now. Brother John can share something, and then we'll go on with the, with the matter of dominion. Yeah, wonderful. I don't know how to release this part. This is so good. And I cannot go on with 126 before we love John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son to die for those who believe into him. But I hope from start to night, we love Genesis 1.26. You know, I try, when Adrian talk about this verse, I try to find out which word we should highlight on this verse. At the end, I find out every word should highlight in this verse. You know, I always tell you, don't highlight the whole page. But I cannot help in this verse. Almost every word is so important in this verse. I know a brother in New York. <clears throat> every time when he speaks the message, he speaks Genesis 1.26. <laughs> you ask him to come and share. He share 126. He go to another place. He share. He share 126. He say, if you did not see 126, you did not see God's plan. You did not see the whole Bible. And in 126, this verse is the abstract, the essence of the entire Bible. Okay, are you with me now? You're gonna get your highlighter. Don't forget with your fine pine. Fine pen. Okay. Number one is God saying, God speaking, God flowing out. God start to speak what is in his heart. He said, let us make men. No, you want to highlight say, and you want to say highlight let us. He did not say I will, but he said let us. Only that word gives you a window that our God is triune. In this verse, we have Father, Son, and Spirit. And they, these three are in a meeting. They are in a conference. They want to do something unto the maturity of life. He said, let us. That is a big word. <laughs> You say, God say that God is singular, but let us, us is plural. 
How do you define this? This shows us our God is Trinity. Did you see this verse? God revealed himself. I am Trinity. The word Trinity is not used in the Bible. I keep revealing every word in the Bible. At least here, this is the part that obviously God revealed he is in divine Trinity. And this divine Trinity are not falling apart, but they are coming together to have a conference, to have a meeting. Let us make man. I know a brother, he owns a shop every morning before all the workers go out, he come, everybody must come together. We're gonna, what are we going to do today? And here, before God created man, he did not just pick up some clay and then just do something, boom, let it go. No, no, no. Man is so important. Before he formed the man, there is a universal, eternal conference. Triune God have this conference. Let us make man. And let us, you highlight that us, and make man, you highlight that man. <laughs> Eventually, you're going to highlight the whole verse. Okay? Every word in this verse. That man, that is the highest creation in God's creation. Highest creature in God's creation. That man, you look at uh, 26 foot not two, that is the mankind. The human life is the highest created life that express God and exercise God's authority. That man in God's eyes, it is the most important, the pinnacle, the climax of God's creation. He just expecting man. Just like when a pregnant woman prepare everything at the end, the baby must come. The baby is the climax of all the preparation. And God said, we're going to make man now. Let us make Adam. This man, we are not making a teddy bear here. We are making man. This man will express us. This man will represent us. That man is Adam. God wants to express himself through man. When God thinks about man, he just starts smiling. He just so happy. He said, now we're going to make man. And then this man is not just anything as he wish. Okay? But he said, according to our image. Remember, it is our, not mine, but our image. God is invisible, but he created man according to our image. And that image that God wants to express his image through man. At least by this time, we know there are some basic prominent image that God expressed. In, in 26 footnote 3, it talks about at least these four, love, light, holiness, and righteousness. This is the most prominent image of God. Of course, he's the many, but these are the main four prominent image of God. God wants to express something of love, light, holiness, 
righteousness. Where on earth can any creatures express God's image? Elephant, giraffe, forget it, <laughs> spider, no, none of them can express God's image. So God, for this, he has to create man, that man can bear his image. Not only that, according to our likeness, wonderful. On that image is inward, likeness is outward. He created man, it's not just a piece of clay, but he created man with this expectation. The man will express his image and bear his likeness. In your Bible, on top of that likeness, you write God's kind. Okay. No problem. Your Bible going to be dirty. That is a revelation. Okay. Image, you say God's life. God's nature. Likeness, that is God's kind. We, human being, we are not animal kind. You know, animal, animating, something that's moved. We are God's kind. Right in the Bible, in the first chapter, when God created man, he already expect that man will have his life and his nature and his likeness. We are God's kind. And um, Webster Dictionary, if you got a concise, a complete Webster Dictionary, the big one, he will tell you, mankind is a negative denotation. Why? Because when God created man, man is God's kind. When he created animal, according to their kinds. But when we want to create man, it's according to our kind. That's why I say our likeness. Did you highlight that word? Image and likeness. Don't forget our. <laughs> so our image and our likeness. We are God's image and God's expression. And then let them, oh, Adrian, I'm afraid I'm going to fuse up all my time in this verse. Okay. No wonder that brother, when it comes to speak, he just speak 126. Okay, let's carry on. And let them. Okay. We're going to create men, but let them. It's plural again. You're going to ask, Lord, Jehovah, how many men did you create? Why you say let them? Because that creation already revealed to you, he created a corporate man. Let them, you know, maybe I'm a bit older than Adrian. Uh, Adrian might be older than someone. But in God's eyes, we all are 6,000 years old. <laughs> when God created us, we all been created at the same time. We just pop up different time. But when God's creation was created, we were all being created at the same time. If you ask Adrian, how old are you? He's going to tell you I'm 6,000 years old. 
Because when God create, he create this corporate man. Let them. Did you ever understand 126 in this way? Let them in God's eyes. He created a corporate man. And he is expecting this corporate man will have a full expression. Number one, to bear his image and his likeness. And secondly, let them have dominion. That's underline the word them and also underline the word dominion. It's not just expression, but something higher than expression that is authority. Have the dominion. Wow. You might say, Lord, what, what are you going to give us? Authority. Okay. I create many things. No, I, I have project many things. Okay. I maybe built a chair, built a table, whatever. Even the image is good. I never, I cannot give anything. I produce my authority to them. What? That's beyond our understanding. You can do something that's beautiful. You are never give authority to anything. But God created man, not only with the image, with likeness, with authority, with authority over the fish. You can underline that fish, but don't need to highlight <laughs> the fish of the sea. Birds of the heavens. What is this? These are all represent Satan. When God creates man in his view, he will give man the authority to limit, to restrict Satan, to rule over Satan. Today, Satan is in three layer places. In the air is their headquarter, Satan's and his followers. There is, that is their office. That is their federal office, their headquarter. Okay. And in the deep sea, that is their camp, the residence. They stay there. All the followers, they are in the deep sea. And then on the earth, that is their playground. They come to cheat people. This is where Satan is still moving around. Are you with me? In the air, that is their headquarter. And in the deep sea, that is the camp, army camp. That's the camp. They stay there. What are they doing there? They wait to be judged one day. That's why the Lord just restrict them. You stay there until I create men. One day, these men, they are weaker than angels. They're going to do the execution. God judge him, but I will not execute him. God said, you never see a judge. You sentence someone and then get out of your chair and come down to get the, to get the chain. No. God judge them. Then we will be the executor. So Satan today is sitting there in the deep sea, waiting one day to be judged. But today, 
Sometimes he is naughty. He illegally come to the earth, come to the ground to deceive us, even like a roaring lion to threaten you. <laughs> but just threaten you, just roaring, not gonna bite you. He's just gonna scare you. He's just like a roaring lion. But today we know when God created man, man bears his image, his likeness, as well as his authority. These are the two characteristics of God created man, that we can dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. These are all, or this authority were all given for men to deal with Satan's activities. Saints, this is God's purpose. Before men fall in God's creation, even before man created, God already had this expectation on man that God speak out what is in his heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. At least at this verse, I wish we all will got impressed that God created man, that man may express God and also can represent God. Okay. If you take away this, you may know man is just a doll. No, we are not a doll, but we are being created. And in this verse, show us triune God, show us man, show us Satan, show us the characteristic of man to bear image and represent God, and show us all the area in the universe, from the air to the sea to the earth, that where Satan is spreading, and God wants man to deal with Satan, that, can that man can express God, and even have dominion of God. Wonderful verse. Amen. Okay, Adrian, you can carry on. <laughs> Amen. Um, so, um, like Brother John was sharing, after God created man in his image and likeness, he said, let them have dominion and i really appreciate this that when god created man he created a vessel that would be able to receive him and express him but this vessel is corporate god did not just create adam and then said okay i have this one being on the earth this one single man and he will be everything okay actually in adam he saw the whole of mankind how many people are on the earth today i don't know a few billion people right um i don't know how many zeros that is it's a lot right god saw that whole mankind in the creation of this adam of of man and so he's, he wants this man to bear his image, to express him. And not only that, 
He wants this man to have dominion. He wants this man to, to even not just have dominion, but in verse 28, it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. Subdue the earth. Okay, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of heaven, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And like Brother John was saying, the waters are the dwelling place, right? When the Lord and the, and the heaven is, that's the, the, like the headquarters, right? I just want to read one verse to us. It's in Ephesians 6, 12. For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world rulers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenlies. And then that goes with Ephesians 2 verse 2, which says, in which you once walked according to the age of this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air. So we see there's some authority in the air that is causing man not to express God, but what is that expression? Maybe the expression of the serpent, right? Sometimes man has that kind of expression. Man has a quite a unique, really is a unique uh, a vessel. And so man can express God, but man can express a serpent. And so unfortunately, what is happening is there's a lot of operating going on, right? So we are in a warfare. Brothers and sisters, that is what Paul says. Our wrestling is not against flesh and blood. We're not fighting our spouses over their temper and over causing us to be offended with them. And we're not fighting the brothers because the brothers offended me. I'm not fighting the sisters because this sister said that to me. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We are fighting these spiritual forces in the heavenlies, in the air. When the Lord was on the boat, right, there was a storm raised up. All of a sudden, the sea was full of waves. Why? Satan doesn't want God's kingdom to come, right? So all these forces in the sea, in the heavenlies, are working together so that God's kingdom could not come to the earth. That is why the Lord told us we need to pray that God's will would be done not only in the heavens. Yes, God's will is in the heavens, but on the earth. God wants his will on the earth. He wants us to subdue the earth. So you see why God created man? It's not just so that, okay, he has now uh, another being. He will do a few things for me. Maybe build an altar. Maybe worship me. No, he wants man to subdue the earth. But the way that man does this is through life, through receiving the Lord Jesus, who is the head. The Lord, when he came to the earth, he was the one in whom, he says this, in whom Satan has nothing. He had nothing in the Lord. Can, can I say that? Can you say that? Can you say Satan has nothing in you? Well, the Lord could say that. The Lord could say, in me, he has nothing. So not only was the Lord the reality of the image and the likeness, but he was the reality of the dominion. 
of the, of the subduing. And eventually, the Lord Jesus came and he defeated Satan. He crushed that serpent's head. And so we don't stand upon who we are. We don't, we don't look to ourselves. But now, the Lord, he is gaining this corporate entity. He's gaining such a corporate entity. Oh, brothers, sisters, may we see what the Lord wants to show us in Genesis 1, that God created man, this corporate being, and eventually the one who fulfills us is Jesus Christ. And he today on this earth has a body. He has a corporate entity, the church, which is his body. And through the church, we are seated with the Lord today in the heavenlies. And so the Lord has this authority. And we, as the church, are standing on the earth, cooperating with the heavenly Lord to subdue the earth and bring God's kingdom down to the earth. Not only in the heavenlies, but even every, it says in verse 26, every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Eventually, even the serpent in Genesis 3, who becomes the great, the, 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 ancient, the ancient serpent in Revelation, the old dragon, who has now, he's not only now a snake, he's now a dragon, right? He's, he's, he's been growing. But this one will eventually be subdued by this man whom God has created. Okay, maybe um, I'll just, uh, I, I wanted to share just a little something on uh, these last verses. In verse 31, God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. Okay, everything was good, right? But finally, God had gained man, and he saw this was very good. Brothers and sisters, we have to see that in God's creation, he has a purpose to bring forth this man. He doesn't just put man there, uh, I don't know, like on the surface of the deep in verse 2, and he says, okay, go man, subdue the earth or no, he prepares everything. Almost like I heard in the, in the, uh, in the East, they would, the, the husband would prepare a place for his wife so that and he would prepare the whole, the whole, maybe the whole wedding. Everything would be prepared. Everything would be ready. And then she would come. She wouldn't come and then he's still busy and there's no place to sleep and there's no place to make food and, and they're just going to see how things go. He prepares everything. He makes everything ready. God prepares everything. He makes, he, he brings forth, well, he, he, he creates the light. He separates light from darkness. The waters above from the waters below brings forth the earth, bring, creates the, the, the plant life, right? As food for man. Um, in verse 29, behold, I've given you every herb. He doesn't just create man. Well, what man going to, you know, no, everything is ready. 
for man to be brought forth. And when God gains this creature who has his image and likeness, who can bring his authority to the earth, God said, this is very good. And then it goes on. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth, chapter 2, verse 1, 2, and 3. I'll just read those three verses. And all their hosts were finished. And on the seventh day, God finished his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. So brothers and sisters, do you think God rested because he was tired? Do you think God found rest because, oh, he was just so exhausted at all, all this, and then all this creation, and then on the sixth day, he has to have a counsel, and he has to consider man, and no, he found what he was looking for. He had finally gained a being who bore his image and likeness, whom he could fill with his very life. So God was at rest because finally he had gained a creature through whom he could accomplish his purpose and his desire. God's desire, God's purpose is fulfilled in man and through man. It is when God can gain such a man that God is at rest. Amen. Okay, Brother John, maybe you can continue for us, brother. Sure. Um, well, your Bible got some space there. Maybe you can write this on your Bible so that you have a proper understanding. You want to write three matters. One, I would like to tell you the central points of God's creation. Secondly, we want to see the purpose of God's creation. And finally, we want to see the consummation of God's creation. Are you ready? Okay. Number one, the central point of God's creation. There are three central points. Number one is to recover the earth. This earth has been taken, has been judged by Satan. God wants to recover the earth. That's the first central point of God's creation. The second central point of God's creation is to have man. God's create is not just doing all kinds of beautiful, lovely animals running around. No, the central of his God's creation is to have men, because this man comes to the maturity of life. Well, he created grass, but grass, no face. Grass is just green, wonderful, bearing some signs of life, but there is no face. And then he created, of course, you know, God's creation, at least there are eight items, three, on a vegetable life, you have the grass, you have the herbs, you have the tree. These three are vegetable life. 
and you have five animal life, which is the fish, the birds, the cattle, what else? the cattle and I miss one and the creeping things. Well, these are all, uh, I miss one. I don't know what did I miss. Brother, I think it's the, it's the, um, the animals. The animals. the animals, okay. Yeah, the animals, the cattle and the creeping things. Yes. Um, and then the bird and the fish. Yes. So these are five animal life. And fish, you know, they got better than grass. Grass do not have face. Fish got a face, but fish, his face and his body is one piece. <laughs> and then, well, the higher life is bird. Bird is higher than fish because bird at least is his head and the body a bit separate. There are some forms there, not just a piece. But bird, the mouth is too small. Either sometimes too big or sometimes small. You don't see the maturity of life. And then the animal, well, there's some more, more, more visible there. And then you get cattle. Some cattle really have face. They got two eyes, they have nose. But you also see, not yet mature, but God want to have men. When it comes to men, you see the maturity of life. Not only want to recover the earth, he want to have men. Okay. That is well done. Not incomplete, but well done. That man is complete God's creation. And finally, this man, the central point of God's creation that able to generate life. Wonderful. This is the central point of God's creation to generate life. In, in God's creation of six days creation, first day is a general life that produced life. And then second day, that is the water and the air. And the third day, the land comes up. That's the first day, first three days. The second three days, we got fourth day light. And this light is not generating life, but this life is growing life. This life causes us to grow, able to generate life. It is not just general light, but generating light. And then the fifth day is corresponds to the second day. The first day corresponds to the fourth day. The second day corresponds to the fifth day. The second day is separation of the water below and the water above. And the fifth day is the fish and the birds. This all to limit, to restrict Satan. So second day, God did not say good. Likewise, in the fifth day, God did not say good because this all belonged to the restriction of Satan. And one day in the new Jerusalem, no more sea. Sea is no more. No more room for Satan. And I believe no more birds there. 
no more feast. <laughs> because they are, the Lord never said they are good. And the third day, that is the formation of Christ come out. And the sixth day is the formation of man. That's the one year man. The person of Christ. The third day is the life of Christ. And the sixth day is the person of Christ expressed in this man. Did you see God's creation in these six days got two portions. The first part, first three days, and the last three days. The first three days end up with Christ being as our life. And the last three days that God created a man to express him and to represent him. This is the person of the one new man. All right. These are all the central points of God's creation. Now let's come to the purpose of God's creation. Um, don't say God's creation just because one day he's boring and he just do something, some arts and beautiful flower and lovely animals. No, the purpose of God's creation has two main purposes, to have man to express God. That is the purpose of God's creation. And how, God, how man express God. Man express God inwardly and outwardly. Inwardly that man has God's image. That is the type of Christ. That man can express God. Just like Christ expressed God. Before God became a man, nobody knows who Christ, who God is. But when Christ became a man, he expressed God. And secondly, how did man express God? Man expressed God with the likeness of God outwardly, that we are God's kind. So inwardly, we have God's image and God's likeness and outwardly. Image inwardly and likeness outwardly. Second, how did, what is the purpose of God's creating man? That man can exercise God's dominion. God did not give this dominion to, say, to, to, to angels. But God created man so that he, man may exercise God's dominion. You know, when God creating man, he just so exciting that he can pass this. He can give man his authority, dominion over, I believe we know that, over the sea, over the air, and over the earth. Oh, Lord, praise the Lord today. What Satan do, all what he do is just to frustrate us. You know, before I thought Satan is just come to disturb us and kind of scare us. And you, you look too much ghost story. Forget it. The main job of Satan is to frustrate us to enjoy Christ. He is very busy up and down, running here and there. For what purpose? is to frustrate us to enjoy Christ. The story that Adrian mentioned, okay, while the boat 
the Lord called his disciple go to the other side of the of the sea. And then Satan in the sea stirred up all these storms, all this mm. all this um, wind. And when we study our life study in Matthew, we know that boat is the church. Today the church is going to the other side of the sea. The church is heading to the millennial kingdom. The church is heading into the kingdom. But in this pathway, Satan is on the sea. So he rises up all kinds of storms to frustrate us, to hinder us. And air is the storms. And the earth is all the frustration. Now, being a Christian, we should know. What Satan did today is to make all these stories in order to frustrate us that you're not able to enjoy the Lord, then he success. He used air, he used sea, he used earth, all these things is to block you, to hinder you, to delay our enjoyment. But God gave man to exercise our dominion, God's dominion over all the things on the sea, in the air and on the earth. And his intention is to deal with God's enemy and recover the earth. Okay, now last one, the consummation of God's creation. That is three matters. Number one is God is expressed and represented through man. Okay. That is the consummation of God's creation. God is expressed. His dominion is represented. Number two, the consummation of God's creation, that God blessed man to be fruitful. Wonderful. God bless him and say, be fruitful and multiply. The consummation is not a lonely ranger walking around in the garden and get some fruit when he needs. No, God bless men, be fruitful, multiply. You know, multiply, multiplication. God bless men. The real blessing is multiply. We have to ask the Lord, Lord, save me from barrenness. I want to be multiplied. That is a sign that God bless us. Saints, if you get multiplied, you ask the Lord, Lord, I'm not only express you to be your witness, but I want to multiply. When God is expressed, man is multiplying, and this time God is satisfied and rest. We have to have proper understanding what is rest. Rest is God is satisfied. It's not he's tired that he must go to bed and rest and sleep. No, if he is, he is tired and he's no longer God, he got omnipotent, everlasting God, he never tired, but he looking for rest, for satisfying. I think we all may have this experience, especially when you lost your key, am I right? When you lost your key, you have no rest. <laughs> you just, where did I put my key? Until you found your key, oh, you rest, oh, satisfied. Likewise, when man was created, he's longing for a long time. 
when Satan has been judged, when Satan rebels against God and he has been judged, then the whole earth was under the water and the darkness and emptiness. Do you think God is satisfied? He's not satisfied. For millions of years, that is where all the time of dinosaurs and all kind of dinosaurs, I don't know what source is that. God do not have rest until God created man. This time, God is satisfied. Yes. Wow, I'm satisfied. God is rest. He can rest now. Praise the Lord. This is the consummation of God's creation. Amen. I'll stop here. You have, I'm sorry, you have the, um, the central points of God's creation revealed to us in Genesis 1. The purpose of God's creation we see in Genesis 1. And likewise, in Genesis 1, we see the consummation of God's creation. He, God is expressed, man has been blessed, and God and man are all satisfied, and God can find his rest. Mm -hmm.